This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash be here now. Welcome to the Sufi Heart Podcast with Omid Safi, featuring teachings and stories from the wisdom of the Islamic tradition. Omid invites you to a meditation on the transformative power of love and recalling the necessity of healing our own hearts through healing the world. If you'd like to support Omid's podcast, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com forward slash Omid. Hello, and welcome back to the Sufi Heart podcast with Omid Safi. It's my pleasure to have you back. Um, this program is sponsored by Illuminated Tours, spiritual tours for adults to Turkey and Morocco. If you like what you hear here, uh, feel free to join us in Turkey and Morocco. The details are at www.illuminatedtours.com. So, as you know, in this podcast, we talk about issues of love and justice. And one of our goals is to bring to you some of the luminous beings who come from the exact same tradition as people like Rumi and Hafez do. Um, sometimes we're going to be talking about those giants, and sometimes we're going to be talking about other beings who are every bit as luminous, as lovely, as beautiful as they are, but they might be a little less familiar to you. So this is a chance to meet some old friends for the first time. And today's one of those times. We are going to be talking about a beautiful teacher one whose teachings have shaped so much of the love tradition uh, in, uh, in mysticism, in the path of love, uh, Sufism. And um, this one is called Abul Hassan Kharaqani. Abul Hassan Kharaqani. Uh, a giant, really, in the world of spirituality who was so known and so loved by Rumi, by Attar, and some of these other greats. Uh, Kharagani was uh, born in the northeastern part of what is today Iran, uh, in a little village called Kharagan. And uh, he died there uh, in the year 1033. Um, he had a very humble life. Um, in fact, we know that for most of his existence, he probably didn't leave his village very much, except once to go meet another saint. Um, he spent his days being a shepherd. Uh, he had a few donkeys that he took care of. 
and he collected firewood. So a very simple person, a very humble person. He freely admits that he's not a very learned person. He didn't have university education. Um, uh, he, he says at one point that I'm not so aware of the intricacies of law. Uh, but what he has is this burning love for God and this ability to translate that into the most simple and heartfelt kind of sayings that even today really leap out from across the centuries and touch our own hearts. Um, so in this program, I'm going to be sharing with you some of the um, teachings, some of the anecdotes of Kharagani. Uh, his, his teachings tend to come in the form of short little one-liners that you can spend a lot of time sitting with and unpacking. Um, this was not a philosophical exercise for him. We know that uh, it, it really shaped the way that he treated the folks around him. Uh, it's, it's interesting to know that um, his own life was not an easy one. Uh, not only in form of his life being uh, filled with a lot of uh, hardship and hard labor, but also in terms of his personal life. Um, he apparently was married to a very difficult woman who um, was not a fan of his and didn't so enjoy being married to him, um, called him, uh, this great uh, luminous saint, um, an infidel and a heretic, and, uh, you know, one day when Kharagani is out in the desert um, and he's coming back, he, uh, he's met with an inquisitive person who notices that uh, the lions in the desert are walking next to Kharagani, completely calm. And he's bewildered at how this could be. And Kharagani smiles and he says, well, it's, it's because I have... Um, I have learned to live with the torment of my wife and uh, the hardship that I have endured from her has been what has led me to soften and what has led me to trust, trust my soul um, to God. And Rumi actually tells this story in the sixth book of his masterpiece, the Masnavi, uh, in typical Rumi way, he um, he puts it in the context of a beautiful story, um, and uh, he dresses it up a little bit, and he ends it by saying, uh, in a very uh, poetic way, that uh, that Charaoni has reached that realm beyond all the realms, that place beyond the place, uh, that place where nothing exists except uh, the light of God, uh, that place which is beyond all the conceptions, uh, all the thoughts, all the imaginations, and then comes the powerful line, Nur, 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 light, light. Light, 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 light. Six times uh, Rumi repeats this phrase, light, 
in describing our friend Kharagani. Um, this path of love that Kharagani lived also uh, shaped the way that he treated people, as you would expect it to. Uh, so uh, there is an anecdote that says um, at the door, above the door of his Sufi lodge, uh, there was a very simple statement that was inscribed. Um, darin darayat dahit, um, which uh, says... Um, 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 so this translates to this uh, beautiful saying, feed whoever comes here. Do not ask them what their faith is. Uh, they too deserve to receive a daily bread in my house. Of course, since they were worthy of receiving a soul in God's house. So uh, you see a notion of love that extends beyond uh, religious traditions, beyond ethnicities. It's something that everyone is, is uh, worthy of. Um, and indeed, in uh, one of the beautiful stories of his that I translated in my book, Radical Love, it comes to show uh, the way that for Kharagani, this love for God is always channeled uh, through human beings. Uh, he tells the story of two brothers. And uh, these are two brothers who are both beautiful people, but they have a very different approach in doing so. Uh, one of them says, one of them goes about um, addressing himself to God in worship and in prayer every single night. He stays up all night in acts of prayer. The other one, takes care of their mom. They have a mom who at this point is quite elderly and she requires help. So this son stays up at night and sits with their mom. Mama, do you need some water? Uh, Mama, do you need some food? Uh, Mama, can I help you go to the restroom? So one night, uh, the brother who spends all night in prayer has a dream. And in this dream, he hears the voice of God and he's very excited because he's been waiting for this moment. Uh, and uh, he hears the voice of God saying to him, Congratulations, I have decided to receive into my presence both you and your brother. And I want you to know that this is all for the sake of your brother. And the brother who spent all day and night, all night praying... He is very pleased, but he's also confused. And he says, um, dear God, thank you so very much for this great honor. But uh, surely uh, you are confusing me with my brother because you see, I'm the one who spends all day and all night in prayer. Uh, so surely you meant to say that you are forgiving my brother for my sake. And then comes the answer that Kharagani gives attributing it to God, God says to the man, No, that which you did for me, I had no need of, but your mother needs you. But your mother needs you. 
Uh, if you claim to love God, you have to begin by serving those who find themselves in a moment of need. So these are the kinds of uh, stories that we get from Kharapani. Beautiful stories, one after another. Um, and we're going to take you through some of the beautiful teachings that we have from him. Um, these teachings touch on the way that he uh, thinks about God. They touch on the way that they um, relate to the prophet and to humanity. Uh, in that same Radical Love book, I have another uh, story of Kharakani that I think is worth uh, remembering. Uh, it says that in this one, Kharakani himself has a dream of God one night. And, um, and in this dream, God, who has a very playful attitude towards Kharakani, says, um, addresses him by his name, Bul Hasano. Um, do you want me to go and tell people everything that I know about you? Do you want me to tell them all the deeds of hypocrisy that are in your heart? Do you want me to tell them every little sturdy secret that I know about you? And Kharagani doesn't miss a beat. He talks back to God and he says, My sweet Lord, do you want me to go and tell them just how much you love them? Do you want me to go and tell them that you love them more than a mother loves her newborn child? And if I do, then not a single one of them is going to do any more worship, any more prayer, Then there's a long pregnant pause and Kharagani hears the voice of God coming back to him and saying, how about this? You say nothing. I say nothing. <laughs> so these are people um, whose relationship with the divine is formed through love, through tenderness, through friendship, and even through humor. Even through humor. Uh, it's a tender, uh, affectionate relationship. Uh, this loving relationship also extends to the way that they relate to the Prophet Muhammad. So there's a beautiful uh, story that there was, um, there was a man who was interested in learning about the Prophet Muhammad. And he had gone to Iraq, to Baghdad, and had learned in the greatest universities there about the written traditions of the sayings of the Prophet Muhammad. These are called the Hadith. And the collection and verification of statements attributed to the Prophet is one of the great disciplines in Islamic scholarship and indeed Islamic piety. So people try to have as authentic of a way of remembering the Prophet as possible. And uh, this man comes to see Kharagani and he says, uh, where did you learn about the Prophet from? And Kharagani says, from the Prophet himself. And the man is, is, doesn't like this answer so much. After all, the Prophet has passed away a few centuries before. Um, and uh, and he wants something more conventional. He wants to know that he has studied the books 
uh, and from the scholarly tradition. And that night, uh, that same man has a dream of the Prophet. And the Prophet says, Kharukhani is telling you the truth. And so the man comes the next day and he starts studying the traditions of the Prophet with Kharukhani. They're going through the statements one by one. And they get to one of them. And Kharukhani says, um, the Prophet didn't say that. And the man is confused. And he says, how do you know that? And he says, well, as you keep reading the statements from the books, I keep my eyes fixated on the face of the Prophet. When you read that statement, I saw the Prophet raise one eyebrow in disapproval. So I knew that this one is not from him. What these kinds of stories uh, teach us, what they're intended to teach us, is uh, a reminder that there are different ways of being connected to God, different ways of being connected to the Prophet. Some of it is written, some of it is textual. But there's also some of it which can be direct. Some of it which has to come heart to heart and is just given to people without doing anything to earn it or even to deserve it. Kharkhani has this kind of a very simple and heartfelt relationship with the sacred realm. Um, in this day and age, um, there was a certain etiquette, certain protocol that comes. Um, and one of them was that um, the mystics were starting to wear certain kinds of robes called the khirqa. And uh, there was a whole etiquette about how you earn a robe and you become initiated uh, and how you take care of your robe. And there's a person that came to Kharagani and says, I want to wear a robe. Um, and Kharagani says, you know, if a man wears women's clothing, does he become a woman? And the man is like, uh, no. He says, if a woman wears men's clothing, does she become a man? And the man says, uh, no. And he says, if you want to become a real human being, don't worry about the robes of the Sufis. Right? To become a real human being is something that has to do with the purity of the heart. Purity of the heart. And this is what Kharagani uh, spends his own time doing. He works his teaching by reminding people that the way to get to God is by looking beyond the realm of salvation. This is a love affair with God's own heart. He says at one point, I wish that there was no heaven, I wish that there was no hell, so that we would really get to find out who truly loves God for the sake of God. So, I think at this point what I will do is to switch to sharing with you some of the kinds of sayings and anecdotes that, um, that we have from Kharagani. Um, and I will introduce them and maybe give you a little bit of context for them. Um, one time when he's whispering to God, he says, My Lord, 
Um, when my time for death comes, do not send me the angel of death. I will not surrender my soul to him. Um, I didn't get my soul from him. I got my soul from you. And I will not deliver my soul to anyone other than you. Yes. I will not deliver my soul to anyone other than you. When he is having his direct experiences with God, uh, he leaves behind his realm of the ego. He talks about being in that state where he no longer sees himself, he no longer sees heaven, he no longer sees hell. Uh, he only experiences the divine. And so he says, I've tasted and myself is nowhere to be seen. I've heard and myself is nowhere to be seen. I'm speaking, but the self is nowhere to be seen. He goes on to say, I'm not saying that there are no heavens and hell. What I'm saying is that it's possible for us to reach a point that heaven and hell are fall behind us. Since both of those are created, we are in a place where there's only the creator. We get to that place where everything that's created is left behind. Once he heard another mystic say, Arise from where you are. And he said, Where should I arise to? And he said, Rise up to God's throne. And he said, What am I to do with God's throne? This here and now is God's throne. This here and now is God's throne. Uh, mystics like Kharagani absolutely refuse this bifurcation of the world into a sacred realm and a profane realm. The whole place is God's. The whole place is sacred. Uh, this realm as much as the next realm. This too is where God resides supreme. In fact, this whole journey for Kharagani has been one of pure love. Even before birth, there was the fire of love. Here there is love, and there's nothing more to be gained other than love. He has at one point a beautiful saying. He says, When I was inside my mother's womb, I burned. When I came into the earth, I was on fire. And when I reached my adulthood, I was old. So let's unpack this one for a little bit. At one point he says, In my mother's womb, I burnt. In my mother's womb, I burnt. So this journey of love, this fire of love, is one that even precedes 
the entry into the earth. Um, the entire process of us being in this realm is one that is described as being uh, on this, in the middle of this fire. And then he says, when I reached adulthood, I became old. And the way that he uses this phrase old is fascinating. Um, being old for Haragani uh, has nothing to do with your physical age. Being old is not about if you're 40 years old or 50 years old or 60 years old, 70 years old. No, this is a kind of spiritual age, a spiritual age. And what Haragani says, to be old is when you are ready to go home. Hengame raftanast. It's when it's time to go home. So the goal of this existence is to be ready to go home. We've come from that home. We are here at home. And the goal is at some point to be ready to return home. When we are ready to go home, that's when it's time. And that can happen at any age. At any age. For him, this relationship with God is one of constant communion, perpetual conversation. He said that he once heard the voice of God saying that after the Prophet Muhammad, the Archangel Gabriel was never sent to anyone. And he said to God, it's true, but I think there are ways that you talk to us directly through the heart. There are ways of communing with you other than the archangels. And at that level, the communication is based on getting beyond the notion of our bounded self. He says, when I looked at God's being, God showed me my nothingness. When I looked into my own self as non-being, God showed me his everythingness. So when I look inside God's existence, I realized that I am nothing without him. And then when I turned back and I saw myself as non-being, then I saw all as the divine. All as the divine. It says when you reach this state of awareness, you might have a simple awe, oh, a simple sigh that rises from your heart. And that simple sigh can burn down everything that is in heaven and hell. Everything that is in, on earth and in heaven. Those friends listening to this who are familiar with the Quran, you know that the Quran speaks about in the first chapter, uh, uh, guide us to the straight path. Guide us to the straight path. And 
In Islamic eschatology, sometimes we're told that there is a bridge called the Sarat or the path that we have to cross over uh, to get to salvation. Kharagani sees these descriptions of the path and the bridge that we have to cross as being internal. He says, I asked God one time to show me my servanthood. And I realized that the beginning and the end of resurrection is all inside me. Whatever I've been given in the beginning is that which I'm going to receive at the end. I saw that from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, that that is the bridge that we're going to have to cross in the hereafter. And that what God has been telling us by cross the bridge is that we are told to get over our own self. We are told to cross over our notion of a bounded self. And if we do that, and when we do that, he says, it's possible for you to come out of yourself the way that a snake sheds its skin. When you do that, and once you do that, then you get to that realm where there's no more createdness, and there's only the Creator. There's only the Creator. And he speaks from this realm of awareness in this beautiful and simple way. He says at one point, um, there was a time that I used to have all these wishes and desires um, because I wanted to show people what it means to have the love of God. But when I reached this level, I actually became ashamed. I became ashamed to even say, I love you, my Lord, because I realized that to say I love you is still clinging to that notion of I and you. And he's trying to get to that point where there's no more duality, no more two-ness, that there's only the divine. He says, My Lord, do not keep me in that station where I still say humanity and God, or that I say you and I. Keep me in that place where I am not and you are all. You are all. Kharagani says, it's all about you. If there were no earth, if there were no heaven, if there were no hell, even if there had been no messengers, I would be as I am today because of your friendship. Because of your friendship. And he knows that what he's saying sounds bold. He says, let me speak, let me speak boldly today. Tomorrow, do whatever you wish with me. Tomorrow, do whatever you wish with me. Um, there's a wonderful story that uh, touches on this um, uh, relationship between Kharagani and the Divine. 
and um, uh, he he says, uh, one night I saw God Almighty in a dream, and I said to God, it's been sixty years that I've spent in the hope of being your friend, of loving you, of desiring you. And God Almighty answers him by saying, you, you have been seeking me for 60 years. I have spent an eternity to eternity since before there was time loving you and befriending you. Right? So this is um, the same kind of a teaching that we hear Jewish mystics in the 20th century realize and put in their own beautiful uh, language. Um, when you become at this level um, of, of closeness to the divine, you realize that Kharagani is speaking as Abraham Joshua Heschel is when he speaks about not humanity in search of God, but God in search of humanity. Uh, in that gendered language that Heschel used, he calls it God in search of man. Right? Uh, it's not just man in search of God. God is also in search of man, in search of woman. And um, from this point, Kharagani starts to talk about an understanding of God that is richer and deeper and more blessed than what we tend to find in ordinary understandings. He says, um, God Almighty has some lovers, has some servants, devotees, that when they remember God, uh, lions urinate in fear. One of the beautiful aspects of this sense of fellowship that Kharagani cultivates is um, that he recognizes that it's possible to get to this point where um, people can remember God with such a realness um, that to be with God is an event of cosmic significance. So he says, uh, you can remember God in such an intensity that lions would urinate and fish would stop swimming in the ocean and angels in heaven would be taken over with pure awe and um, earth and heaven would all be filled with light um, and the earth would start quaking as if, uh, as if it was having an earthquake. Uh, and in that state, there is an ocean of love that collects in the hearts of the lovers of God and if one drop of this ocean of love were to leak out, the whole world would be filled. And if this fire of love in their heart would have one spark of it come out into the world, the entire cosmos from heaven to earth would burn down. Uh, so he's talking about how extraordinary it is to... Uh, to remember, to remember the divine. Not simply through chanting, not simply by repeating a few words, but um, 
but in that reality of remembering who God is. Uh, and, and this is what it's like to give your heart over to the divine. Uh, he says that a friend of his came over one time, and in that way that we used to ask each other, his friend asked him, how is your heart? And he said, how should I know? It's been 40 years since I've given my heart over to the divine. It's been 40 years since I have given my heart over to God. Um, someone asked him, where do you see God? And he said, everywhere that I don't see my own ego. I see God everywhere that my own ego is not. Um, and so one of the ways that um, this shows up in Kharagani is he says, uh, you see yourself not as someone who's doing things, but as someone who is um, the, the, the channel for the divine working through you in this world. He says, in this way, you will stop asking the question of um, what are you doing? And instead you say, what's being done to you? What's being done through you? He says, then you start to feel like a stream that is merging into the ocean. Uh, where's the stream? Where's the ocean? Um, you don't see your own actions. Uh, you only see the divine. You only see the divine in that sense. For Kharagani at this point, uh, to take one simple breath with God, yek nafas ba khuda zadan, uh, is better than all that exists on earth and in heaven. Right? So the goal of the path is to breathe with God, to invite the divine into your heart and breathe out God. God comes in, God goes out. God is moving through your being. Then when you give your nothingness to God, God gives your his, her, everythingness to you. As I mentioned in the beginning, Kharagani never left his village except one time to go see another saint. And uh, he met one person and said, where are you going? And the person said, oh, I'm going to Mecca and Medina. And he says, why? And he said, because I seek God. And uh, Kharagani said, um, God is right here. Why do you need to go over there? Um, and I think it's important not to misunderstand these kinds of sayings. Many of these saints themselves went to Mecca, went to Medina. They certainly have uh, so much love um, in, uh, for, for these rituals. But there's this sense that the journey is not to a place. The journey is to God. And we should be very careful when we're taking on these pilgrimages not to think that God is in Arabia or in India or in that other destination. Um, this place here and now is God's throne. So we have to transform our sight. We have to transform our vision and our existence. 
Um, and how do we do this? By changing our heart, by purifying our heart. Um, this is both an internal act and something that shows up in the way that we treat fellow human beings. So at one point he says, um, if you can move through your day and have your day become night, and you've managed not to injure the heart of another human being, it is as if you have lived that full day with the Prophet. It's as if you have lived that full day with the Prophet. He says another time, uh, prayer is great, fasting is great, but you know what's greater? You know what's better? It's to banish from your heart pride, to banish from your heart jealousy, to banish from your heart lust and desire. So the work is to work on our own heart, to purify your own heart. Um, as he says, it's to lower your head and sink into the ocean of God's mercy, to sink into your own nothingness, and to lift your head into the reality of God's fullness. This requires work. This requires working on our own heart, on our own soul. And at one point, he goes on to say, I have seen people who learn to write commentaries on scripture. Have you ever learned to write a commentary on your own being? Right? You know how to parse scripture, but do you know how to parse your own heart? And if you do, then at some point you get to that point where there's no more fear of death. Because what is death but simply a meeting with the friend? He says, people keep praying and they're saying, Our Lord, save us in three times in the moment that we give our soul when we are in the grave and when we are resurrected. But I say unto you, my Lord, Come to me at all times. Come to me in every breath. That's the goal of the spiritual path, to be with God in every breath. Yes. I'll give you a few more of his sayings. Um, he says at one point... Um, I've heard people say, God, but they keep asking for their daily bread. Sometimes I even find that they're saying daily bread before they mention God. Um, but I think we got to learn to say God and no bread, God and no water, God only. Uh, so this clear focus on the divine presence. Um, he says, I heard the voice of God say to me, um, my friend, my servant, my devotee, when you head out on the path, I am the path. When you arrive at home, 
I am your guest. When you hear these words, the one who is hearing is me. When you think these thoughts, the one who is thinking is me. When you come to seek shelter in me, the one who is grabbing you is me. And when you are in awe of me, the one who comforts you is me. And when you are hopeful in me, I am the one who is faithful. I am with you, so you be with me. When you are well and cultivated, I am with you. And when you are ruined, I am with you. It's this withness. It is to bear the withness with God, to be together with God. And this is going to look different for each of us. The path depends on where you are. And Kharagani says, there are infinite ways of getting to God, as many as there are servants. He says at one point, God created humanity and he put all the crafts and all the professions ahead in front of people and said, choose as you like. And everyone chose a different craft. Then there was a few of them left. And, and God said, you too, you go ahead and choose something. And these people said, our Lord, we did. And God said, what did you choose? And they said, your friendship. Do stieto. So these are the ones who have chosen to befriend the divine, to befriend God. Uh, I think we're going to end with a wonderful saying from the Quran. Uh, there's a beautiful verse of the Quran that we'll talk about in one of these programs. Alastu um, barabbakum. This is the primordial covenant in which God asks humanity, Am I not your Lord? And to which people say, Yes, yes you are. Kharagani says, Most people heard that saying as God asking us, Am I not your God? A few people heard God say, Am I not your friend? And then there was a select few who heard God say, Am I not all? Nehame manam. Am I not all that there is? So these are the few select lovers who have known that there is none other than the one. And they want to befriend that one here and now. Thank you for being with us. Uh, thank you for listening to the teachings of Abul Hassane Kharagani. Uh, thank you for bringing your heart and your friendship to the Sufi Heart community. Um, we hope to be back with you for another program sometime soon. Um, and if these kinds of conversations appeal to you, feel free to join us one of these days. 
um, on illuminated tours in Turkey or Morocco. Uh, thank you, friends. Be well, and may you always breathe with the one. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now.